You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Listen to me. I'll tell you what's going to come of you. You are going to grow up and be a strong, smart young woman. Go to school. Meet a fine young man. Have beautiful children of your own. And you're going to build wonderful things. And that is what is going to happen to you. That is the opening to the teaser trailer for David O'Russell's latest film, Joy, opening this holiday season. The star is the one, the only, Jennifer Girl on Fire Lawrence. And that segment from the trailer is hauntingly apropos to a larger discussion that has gotten much attention as of late. Don't ever think that the world owes you anything. Because it doesn't. And that is the disparity between men and women in Hollywood. The EEOC is even doing a government investigation into payment practices in Hollywood. Coincidentally enough, it was a recent open letter by J-Law about her pay discrepancy in her last David O. Russell film, American Hustle, that has helped propel this topic further into the limelight. My name's Joy, by the way. It's 2012, and this true story happened several years ago. Let it be a reminder that you can do anything, and together we can make a difference. Now, it's no secret that this issue of disparity between men and women in any industry is one that we've had for decades, and one that, although showing some promise, doesn't seem like it's going to go entirely away anytime soon. So I struck out to purposefully tackle this topic. After having my own shameful dearth of women filmmakers on this show, and after getting a few comments from listeners that, while excited for the show in general, were concerned at the utter absence of women artists in the Radio Film School season preview, I wanted to engage with women in the media business and get their various takes on the topic. I started my conversations with the same question. In a world where we have such women luminaries as Kathleen Kennedy, Shonda Rhimes, Donna Langley, Stacey Snyder, and of course Oprah Winfrey and Ellen DeGeneres, has the proverbial glass ceiling been shattered? Here was the answer from Nichelle Protho, Vice President of Sandra Moses Productions, the company behind the Netflix hit Reckless, and COO of Slam. All of these women have done well, but there's much, much more work to be done. So I would say that the glass ceiling maybe has been raised, but not broken. And we have to be careful that we don't lose what we've gained. You know, you can never get comfortable or be satisfied until there's true parity in television and film. And I think we have a long, long way to go before that happens. The fact that we have these really prominent and... Uh, prominent women in show business that are getting so much attention because they're female still signals to me that there's a problem. That's Lauren Hardtunian, Dean of Education at Rocket Jump Film School. Rocket Jump is the filmmaking home of YouTube sensation Freddie W. 
Freddie Wong here. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about the Rocket Jump Film School. This is Lauren Haratunian, Dean of the Rocket Jump Film School. Tell the people what the film school's all about. Uh, well, we have eight tracks of filmmaking. Starting- Boring! Teleport VFX! With over seven and a half million subscribers and one and a quarter billion video views and a short film miniseries developed exclusively for Hulu, Freddie W. and the Rocket Jump team have accomplished every short film content creator's dream. Part of that dream is providing high quality education for other filmmakers. And at the head of that education is Lauren, who's been a DP for Freddie for years. It still feels kind of separate. Um that they stand out, that they aren't commonplace. There is still getting a lot of attention, which I think is really good. Uh, I think attention is like one of the big first steps is that we should be paying attention to successful women and paying attention to women up and coming in film. Um, But real change is not going to happen until women in film and minorities in film and and, uh, whatever is commonplace. And it's not an outlier. It's not something super unique. So it's it's the beginning of change, but it's not real, solid, t- permanent change, I feel. So I think it's a, 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 an interesting perspective, and I would agree with you. So I guess my pushback is, like, whenever that change happens, like, when it happens, it is going to be something that you notice and people talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So the act of, like, seeing the change in and of itself and having people talk about it in and of itself while I agree with you, is something that, because they're talking about it, suggests it's not an issue. I mean, suggests that it is still an issue, or it could suggest that we are in that transitional mm-hmm. phase, and so that we are talking about it, and it, it's a matter of seeing the pattern continue, so that maybe five years yeah. from now, it's not. And so I guess mm-hmm. the question is, mm-hmm. is there anything that you see that suggests that it is an actual change to permanent versus an error that may end. Can I, can I just be honest for a second? When I listened to this conversation and heard myself ask that question, I must say I impressed myself. That's a pretty damn good question. Sorry, that's just the overconfident, slightly prideful man in me coming up. Anyway, here was Lauren's answer. I don't think that people talking about it is a bad thing. I think oh, that right, is nece- right. yeah, it's necessary. It's really good. And I'm I'm seeing a you know, a bigger shift especially in like indie film and and television. So I'm definitely seeing shifts that I think uh, are pointing towards a larger more permanent um, change. I still feel like women are sometimes hired and then blamed for all the wrong reasons. So that's where I'm kind of worried about no real change taking place but the fact that people are paying attention is a huge indicator that things are are changing uh, what role if any do you see women playing um, in their own success or hindrance in achieving levels of success in Hollywood um, one cool thing I'm seeing is that is women supporting other women and that is absolutely necessary and just in order for us to survive today we're going to hear from a variety of women in the industry particularly around the last question i asked lauren what role if any do women play in their own hindrance and or advancement in the industry 
My name is Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School's Women in Film Series. This question of what role women play in their own hindrance or advancement in the business is one I posed to every woman I spoke to. The first group I posed the question to was a roundtable panel here in Seattle. You've heard them before on the show. As a reminder, there were Stephanie Malone, Executive Director of the National Film Festival for Talented Youth, Nancy Chang, Executive Director of Real Girls, Ryan Davis, Partner and Co-Founder of the indie film PR firm Smart House Creative, and Sheila Andrine, CEO and Founder of IndieFlix. It was Stephanie who kicked off the answer to my question. The only time I think that women are hindrance is if they're not there supporting each other. Um, and um, and I, I just think we can always do a better job of mentoring and, and being supportive just in general if, if we do really want to change things. Here's Sheila Andrine, IndieFlix CEO. When I learned about distribution and I saw that content creators were not going to make money, not under the, the existing models, I wanted to create a model that I felt would serve the content creators. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And now 10 years later, I'm this disruptor, game changer, trailblazer, blah, blah, blah. And when I got approached to say, well, you're a woman, you should stand up and tell other people your story. It's like, why? Like, I, I feel like I'm not even successful yet. You know, I keep breaking down walls, but I don't feel like I've arrived yet. And so I think it's important that we acknowledge that whatever little work we do is good and it's making progress and together, I mean, I do think what you were saying, we have to help each other. That is such a key thing. I think definitely um, women don't believe in themselves a lot of times, I feel like. That's Real Girls Executive Director Nancy Chang. Knowing that you have a great idea, finding advocates and people that will help you and asking for help in general and not being shy or bashful about if your idea is good or not. Like you have to believe in yourself. And I think that the idea of not um, being visible or wanting to stand out, that's a big problem if, you know, like we want other young women to follow your footsteps because you're, you're a badass and we want more badasses. And I think the other piece too is like millennials do need women to help mentor or men, you know, like going back to what Stephanie said is making sure that there, those mentorship opportunities are there and people see themselves as mentors, no matter where they're at, at that, you know, professionally or learning or whatever it is like you have something to give back to your community, no matter where you're at. So. This idea of mentorship is really key in this discussion, and it plays a huge role going forward. Mentorship for me is really important. That's Donna Langley, chairman of Universal Pictures. She was part of a Hollywood Reporter Studio Executive Roundtable that also included Ton Rothman, chairman of Sony Pictures Motion Picture Group, Rob Moore, vice chairman of Paramount Pictures, Stacy Snyder, co-chairman of 20th Century Fox, Alan Horn, chairman of the Walt Disney Studios, and Rob Friedman, co-chair of Lionsgate Motion Picture Group. The roundtable was moderated by Kim Masters, who's the editor-at-large at Hollywood Reporter, and Pamela McClintock, the senior film writer. Masters is also host of KCRW's podcast, The Business, a must-listen podcast for any of you interested in the goings-on of the movie business. In this part of the conversation, Langley is addressing this issue of mentorship. 
Uh, I actually do a lot of mentoring with college students, with Big Brothers Big Sisters, mm -hmm. and also overseas as well. I'm on the board of Vital Voices, and it's a mentorship capacity that I hold there. And you won't be surprised to hear that around the world, the issues are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just about uh, demystifying a lot of it too. I hate the question, can you have it all as a woman? Mm -hmm. No, of course you can't. Who has it all? Nobody, you know, I mean, that's just, isn't that what we're all trying you, to figure guys out? Have men all? and women, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Langley says she doesn't like the question, can women have it all? There's another woman in the industry who expressed a similar sentiment to me. Is there anything women can be doing more of in this industry to, to have a closer parity with men? Right, yeah. I think it's a good question. And it, like the question in and of itself has good intentions, but I think we have to stop asking it. That's Elaine McMillian Sheldon, the award-winning filmmaker behind the interactive documentary Hollow, winner of the 2013 Peabody Award. She's also co-host of the podcast She Does. I just think we have spent a lot of time talking about why we're different, why male and female mm -hmm. filmmakers are different, and why we're... And I just think, you know, there, did you see the New York Times thing where they featured all these women in Hollywood? Uh, Reed Murano, one of the cinematographers on there, she said something to the effect of, we need to stop talking about numbers because that's when we're um, accepting defeat. We just need to go out and make stuff. So, should we stop asking the question? Maybe, maybe not. Later on, Elaine and I will revisit that topic, and you'll hear it go in a very interesting direction. In the meantime, this question of pay disparity is at the top of everyone's lips, especially in Hollywood. Okay, I'm going to start. The issue of women being paid less is obviously at the forefront right now. Every major actress is talking about it. Jennifer Lawrence wrote her scathing essay. Here's another clip from that Hollywood Reporter roundtable I told you about earlier. The Hollywood Reporter editor Kim Masters kicked the roundtable discussion right off the bat with this topic about pay disparity between men and women in Hollywood. She posed the question to Donna Langley, the chairman of Universal Pictures. Is there an economic justification for this gap, or is it time to, for the studios to start saying, we're closing the gap, or will actors force you to close the gap? I don't think it's simple as just saying, okay, let's get everybody commensurate with each other. Of course, I think if we were to ask everyone around the table, they would say, yeah, equality is top of mind always with any minority group. But I think it's, sort of, it's, a, it's part and parcel of the bigger issue. It's part and parcel of the issue of films geared towards women, films that geared towards a major audience, whether they're more masculine driven, whether the big temples are more geared towards boys. And so I think it's just as consumer tastes shift around the globe and we do see more roles for women, then I think the, you know, the more they are, there are, the more women who can participate. And I think the more salaries will go up and be commensurate with, with that. I think it's just, I think the equality in the salaries is just indicative of the equality across the board, I guess is really what I'm saying. Obviously, how paydays are handled in the big studio level are a tad different than those of us in the quote-unquote real world. I mean, pay discrepancies of times where uh, I was clearly uh, underpaid mm -hmm. at a job where I had more experience, an advanced degree, more people I was responsible for. 
and the guy next to me was making ten thousand or more dollars a year. That's Stephanie Malone again, executive director of Nifty. Had you asked for more money? Oh yeah, I spent. In fact, I decided to spend one year um, asking every week for a raise <laughs> to my、did. bosses. Oh, I did. Okay,、yeah. interesting. Every single week. The only reason I asked because I had, you know, I've, I've read and watched studies about the. Pay discrepancy thing, and one of the things I've heard is that oftentimes the men ask for it and the women don't. Yeah, see, and I had heard that too, so I decided that I would spend an yes, entire year of every single week. Interesting. Elena and I also discussed this subject, and I loved her solution. Well, and also about the money thing.、Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it is really true. The,、uh, you know, just consulting male colleagues on how much they would charge for、mm-hmm. A, B, or C, and actually, you know, I've just started. I've just started going with what they recommend, and nine out of ten times it's paid for.、Um, mm-hmm. And I would have recommend, or I would have, you know, un- way undersold myself. And I'm not sure where that comes from, but、mm-hmm. uh, another person that、um, is really fabulous. Her her name is、um, Shayla Harris. She works. She's like a top dog at a、uh, Frontline,、mm-hmm. and she made this year the year that she.、Um, I can't remember what she said something to the effect of like she acts like a white man, like she's just gonna like <laughs> go into a room and be the white man. You know, so like adopting the confidence of what she thinks a white man would do in that situation, and she's a she's a black woman,、um, and so I just thought that was really funny. And I barely hit my stride. Odell Beckham hands touching in his mind. Homie, I inspire. Set the bar high. You need Zach Levine hops just to high five the guy. It's funny because there I'm reading the, a book about the making of Clueless right now. That's Ryan Davis, co-founder and partner in Smart House Creative. And the director Amy Heckling, they keep saying like, "What a nice set it was to work on," you know. And I do feel like there is the pressure to not be difficult,、mm-hmm. to to be easygoing. And as soon as there is an opportunity where you say like, "Okay, I, I'm going to be the difficult one," there's an added complexity there. Here's Sheila Andrine again. I told my kids growing up from a very early age, "You can disagree with me. You can disagree with every single thing I say, but do it with respect." And I, so I've always empowered myself to speak up,、yeah. even in big production meetings with the head of the studio, the head of the network, the head of the production director, everybody. If I didn't agree with something or I had an idea, I would just respectfully share it. And I think there's an art to it. So you can be the one on set, whether you're a woman or not, to oppose or put a stake in the ground to want to change something. It's all in the delivery. I think there's a lot to be said for how you deliver the message. I think I like Ryan's idea. Lynn Sheldon, I hear that too. Like, oh, she's so easy to work with. She's just a joy to be on set with.、Um, so I've always wanted to start a, a blog of difficult women,、uh, <laughs> difficult women through history, and and you know the、um, the Judy Davises of the world that were the fly in the ointment and and difficult to work with. Is there something inherently wrong with saying, oh, so and so is so good to work with, like? No, but I think there's a pressure to to that. That's there, I've heard that in a couple Q and A's also with people who are are female filmmaker allies.、Um, that they'll say,、um, you know, that that it's 
that that's something that that women can bring or they're they're much more intuitive and understanding and they that they're in, more inclusive and more of a team player and things like that so that's uh one of the upsides to hiring women might be that it'll be a more pleasant environment and so when you're not necessarily bringing that and don't feel like that has to be your role as as the bridge builder it can be difficult this comment by ryan is something women face in every aspect of business not just filmmaking That if women are aggressive or strong-willed, they are bossy or, you know, that other B-word. But if a man does it, he's being a leader. I was recently listening to the TED Radio Hour, another one of my favorite podcasts. They were interviewing Sheryl Sandberg, the chief operating officer of Facebook. She said something that seems to echo this sentiment. We know by middle school that boys are more interested than girls in leadership roles. And when you ask girls why, a lot of the reasons come down to, I don't want to be called bossy. It's funny, as I've gone around talking about Lean In, my book, you know, I like to ask audiences questions, and I ask people, please raise your hand if as a boy you were ever called bossy. No hands go up. If you're a girl or a woman, please raise your hand if as a girl you were called bossy. All the hands go up. So when men lead, they are acting in accordance with our stereotypical views of them, and we are fine, we're comfortable, we applaud it. When girls lead on a playground, they're called bossy. When women lead at the workforce, they're called too aggressive. Now, the nice thing about this is, if we acknowledge it, we can change it. That episode of the TED Radio Hour is called Disruptive Leadership. You can find it at ted.npr.org. It's definitely worth listening to. There will be links in the show notes. Stacey Snyder, the co-chairman at 20th Century Fox, shares a sentiment in that Hollywood Reporter roundtable that touches on something I do think is worth looking at closely, especially when it comes to the question I asked earlier, is there anything that women do to hinder their own progress? The thing that Jennifer Lawrence did say that struck a chord with me is the techniques. Now, let me pause right here and give some insight into what she's talking about. We've mentioned now that famous-slash-infamous letter by Jennifer Lawrence. I think it's crucial to hear what she actually wrote. Here's an excerpt from that letter. It's hard for me to speak about my experience as a working woman because I can safely say my problems aren't exactly relatable. When the Sony hack happened and I found out how much less I was being paid than the lucky people with dicks, I didn't get mad at Sony. I got mad at myself. I failed as a negotiator because I gave up early. I didn't want to keep fighting over millions of dollars that, frankly, due to two franchises, I don't need. I told you, it wasn't relatable. Don't hate me. But if I'm honest with myself, I would be lying if I didn't say there was an element of wanting to be liked that influenced my decision to close the deal without a real fight. I didn't want to seem difficult or spoiled. At the time, that seemed like a fine idea. Until I saw the payroll on the internet and realized every man I was working with definitely didn't worry about being difficult or spoiled. This could be a young person thing. It could be a personality thing. I'm sure it's both. But this is an element of my personality that I've been working against for years. And based on the statistics, I don't think I'm the only woman with this issue. Are we socially conditioned to behave this way? We've only been able to vote for, what, 90 years? I'm seriously asking. My phone is on the counter and I'm on the couch, so a calculator is obviously out of the question. Side note, this is me, Ron. I can totally picture Jennifer Lawrence saying something like that. Okay, back to the letter. Could there still be a lingering habit of trying to express our opinions in a certain way that doesn't offend or scare men? 
So going back to the round table of the Hollywood Reporter, this aspect of Jennifer Lawrence's letter is what Stacy is referring to when she continues. The thing that Jennifer Lawrence did say that struck a chord with me is the techniques of, of women um, in terms of being liked and being polite. And there was a great thing on the internet about how women would say great quotes if asked, you know, so instead of um, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, the woman's version would be, you know, I have this idea, and I'm not sure if I should bring it up in this meeting, but it seems that if we all pitched in, we could do a lot for the country. <laughs> and I do think that that part of it, in terms of just finding your swagger and your stride, could be the next step. There is definitely a common theme I'm seeing in how men view themselves versus how women view themselves. I joked earlier about how impressed I was with my question to Lauren. I even had the cojones, no pun intended, to actually say it out loud. Yes, it was tongue-in-cheek, but being honest, I really did feel that way and I really did want to say it. Now, here's the thing. Could you imagine a female host doing the same thing? Here's another clip from that TED Radio Hour episode with Sheryl Sandberg. This part of the episode is a clip from her 2010 TED Talk. Women systematically underestimate their own abilities. Men attribute their success to themselves and women attribute it to other external factors. If you ask men why they did a good job, they'll say, I'm awesome. If you ask, <laughs> obviously, why are you even asking? If you ask women why they did a good job, what they'll say is someone helped them, they got lucky, they worked really hard. And so there came a point in our evolution when we didn't guide life by distrusting our instincts. Why does this matter? Boy, it matters a lot because no one gets to the corner office by sitting on the side, not at the table. And no one gets the promotion if they don't think they deserve their success or they don't even understand their own success. And then we worry. Once you start thinking about things, you worry as to whether you've thought enough. Using my own experience as a podcaster in the film industry, I can attest to the fact this has been an issue I've seen firsthand. Let's go back to my conversation with Hollow director Elaine McMillian Sheldon. In it, I talked to her about the problems I've had booking women for the now two podcasts I've had about filmmaking. This is the second filmmaking podcast that I've had, and there's always been a dearth of female filmmakers uh, on my show, and and it's one of the reasons why I even wanted to do this series, Women in Filmmaking, is to just like force myself, okay, I'm going to get women on the show talking about films. And there isn't a dearth of women out there actually making media. So, uh, but sometimes I've had challenges getting women on the show, either either not responding to emails or, whereas like the ratio of men who respond to my emails versus women is much higher. Yeah, um, that's that interesting. And I don't know if that is because... That's but a great point. Actually, I don't know, and I, I, I and I haven't. I don't know the reason to that. Reason for that. Um, well, I mean, when you emailed me, I, I asked my husband. I said, I, I'm, "It's a total imposter syndrome of, well, who am I to 
be the authority on women in filmmaking, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I questioned it for a second. Uh-huh. Um, it's a thing. It's a thing, and it's got to stop for sure. I mean, I think you bring up a, you bring up something that, first of all, I try to ignore, and also I pretend doesn't, I don't, doesn't exist, mm-hmm. because it does. Um, and I had, I think it was Ingrid Kopp, who's from the Tribeca Film Institute on our show, and she does, and she said that uh, she, as a curator, was trying to get women to be speakers at this event she's having, and she's always curating events, and and it's the same as you, like, you know, these women are like, no, you know, I don't really feel like I'm the person to be the authority on this, but like, the man always says yes to her, to to being the authority on it. What would I see? Travel far and wide What I see the world Through man's eyes I love Elaine's honesty and authenticity as she wrestles with this topic. She's not pretending she has the answers. And in asking this question about how to change this, what follows is an interesting turn of events. I had a response to your answer regarding is there anything uh, women can do to have more parity and you're saying that you know we probably should stop asking the question and you commented on a cinematographer <laughs> who said we should stop asking the question and and whereas like while I, I understand where that sentiment is coming from I think that if you don't ask the question that uh, you'll people will never look for the answer and if it's a question that needs to be answered uh, and no one's asking it um, then y- you have issues. And obviously, people are asking the question. So this isn't a case where people aren't asking the question. But I have wondered if part of the whole issue is, you know, related to what we were just talking about recently about uh, intuitively how women think of themselves. Absolutely. Um, and so I think there's some of that going on. But um, so, I, yeah, I, I understand the not asking or to stop asking the question thing. But I think... Like I, think- I take it back. I think it's. I think like we had a much better conversation because you asked the question. Yeah, yeah, no, and I agree. And it's because I think I just get tired of hearing it because yeah, I feel like I, I'm that, doing a lot, and sure. so I'm like, there's going to be women filmmakers out there who heard me say that that are like, why are you saying this? Like, mm-hmm. we need to talk about this. But you know, it's it's just my reaction that. Um, it's like beating a dead horse, but actually, you know, we just, we, you and I just reached, mm-hmm. you just made me think of something mm-hmm. and say something that I don't think I've ever actually like wanted to admit out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that we do need to talk about it. So I've changed my mind. Oh, good, good for you <laughs> and good for you for, for admitting that. Here's the thing. So... Um, I have a few more years on you, so I uh, I can bring some knowledge and wisdom to this. And and hearing you talk, I think, and to be honest, like when you said, I think people need to stop asking the question. Personally, I didn't think you really believed that. I think that's just how you worded the feeling of frustration of you're tired of hearing people talk about it. Um, and I think personally, I got my interpretation was like that's how you worded it and that's how you communicate it. Um, because being a person of color, uh, I have, you know, obviously, you know, the conversation at the forefront for me is, you know, the lack of parity for people of color in any industry and, you know, the kind of issues that African-Americans deal with in this country and whatnot. And, you know, there are times where I feel like, you know, black people just, black folk just need to stop complaining about it and just do stuff. Right. Um, but 
when I say that or when I feel that, I know it comes from a frustration of we need some. You hear, sometimes you see or you hear a lot of people talking about it who aren't doing anything, right? And, and so it's. Are you the kind of person who's bitching and complaining, but you're not doing anything? Exactly. Versus a person who's bitching and complaining, and you're doing something, right? So, yeah, um, that's, that's totally true. Yeah, and, and I think there are people out there who fit in that former category where they like to be the person who's the poor me syndrome, right? Um, right. Versus, like, I don't get that impression from Jennifer Lawrence at all, right? No, she's not that person. But she represents the latter, the person who's saying we need to do something, and she's in the process of also doing something. And so, absolutely, I think it's striking that balance between, you know, having the you know the courage to speak your mind and say, look, this isn't fair, and we need to we make changes, and how can we make that changes, and then leading the cause to actually make the change. It's empowering to be around people who have claimed their voice, and many of the people that inspire me who have claimed their voice are men. Um, there are certainly women that are out there that do that as well, but um, I do I do think that's a problem. How do we? I don't know how we overcome this. Here again is Sheila Andrine, CEO of IndieFlix. Don't wait to be picked. I mean, it was men who picked me out of you know the crowd to do something. There are no, I mean, someone asked me once, who are your role models? I don't have any women role models. I mean, there are women, I, but they weren't the ones I actually knew and interacted with. They were all men. So I think as women, we should definitely pluck some other women out and, and help them. So my fellow filmmaking friends, what have we learned? One, women need to seek out mentors, whether they be men or women, to guide them where they want to go. Two, Women in the position to do so should seek to be mentors to other women. And three, for lack of a better term, and I hope this doesn't come across wrong, but women need to act and think like men. It feels weird even saying that, I know, but tell me, what do you think? Oh, and by the way, you needn't worry too much about J-Law. I think she has learned her lesson. For her next film, Passengers, a sci-fi flick co-starring the galaxy-guarding, raptor-whispering, legal-leaping Chris Pratt, her payday is going to be $20 million, plus 30% of the back end. You go, girl. Ladies and gentlemen, Katniss Seventeen, the girl on Stay tuned to the end of the credits to hear how you can get the full recording of my four-person panel discussion. Radio Film School is produced by me with production help from Tommy Ferguson and Chris Huslidge. Music is curated from freemusicarchive.org and Song Freedom. Check show notes for links to artists and tracks. Song Freedom is a huge supporter of the show. When you need high-quality, award-winning, or even top-40 music for your productions, look no further than Song Freedom. Note that top-40 and similar pop songs are usually limited to personal event projects. If you go to songfreedom.com slash radio and use the offer code radio, you'll get a standard Go Level license worth $30. All right, ladies.
it's time to stand up. Come on, fellas, take away your girl's crush. We gotta make moves. It's time to break through. It's the age of feminine. What you gonna do? You can follow me on Twitter at FM. You can follow the show at Radio Film School. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash radiofilmschool. Join the conversation and tell us what you think about this topic. If you want to watch that Hollywood Reporter Roundtable, there are links in the show notes, and the video is embedded on the blog post for this episode at daredreamer.fm. The whole video is fascinating, but the discussion on women in the industry is right at the top in the first 13 minutes. I'll soon be uploading the full, uncut, four-panel Women in Film Roundtable conversation. Sign up for our email list before December 18th, and you'll be able to access it for free. After that, it'll only be available to premium members. You can sign up at daredreamer.fm slash join. And as a subscriber to our email list, you also get weekly free bonus episodes and or resources to help you grow in your crafting career. That's it for now. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. And all my ladies in the West, and all my ladies in the East, we about to take over this beast. Never speak on my behalf about my business again. Fine, I won't talk about your business. Jeez. But you're the one who wrote the letter. I'm just the messenger.